Hey, Luke, how's it going? Hey, going well. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, welcome to the Ed Up Marketing Series. It's going to be an exciting conversation. Uh, every week we hear we talk with different um, marketers within education, and I'm excited to to speak with you. You're the executive director of marketing at Pepperdine University. Um, before we get into your current role, tell me about what brought you to higher ed marketing in the first place. Oh, wonderful question. Yeah, happy to talk about that. So I actually started out as a marketer, was kind of a content creator, you know, sort of a graphic design, video, uh, did some writing and other things. And actually, I've always been in, uh, I'm a person of Christian faith. I've always been in the church. So I was like a youth pastor and you're always doing like trying to get kids to show up to an event. So I learned actually a lot of good marketing tactics back in the day doing that. And as time went on, transitioned into, I led marketing at um, Homeboy Industries, one of the largest social enterprise nonprofits in the world. And they were starting a lot of new businesses, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So got into that and and then I really wanted to transition into something that was meaningful. And I found an opportunity that was in both the health and education spaces, which I believe are both kind of foundational to human life. And it was at uh, Southern California University of Health Sciences. I went there and led their marketing and um, admissions um, for several years. And then that grew into a role that oversaw their School of Professional Studies, including really everything except their graduate and doctoral programs. I led the the programs as well there. Um, So that's what got me into it. And then from there, kind of um, there was an opportunity that came up at uh, a school called Servite High School. It's an all boys Catholic uh, high school um, that's pretty prominent, big football team and all that in uh, Orange County. So I led there. I was a vice president of marketing and enrollment there for a while and then um, did some consulting during that time uh, with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Education and Psychology and then now have joined them as the, the executive director of marketing and enrollment. So that's a bit of my journey. Uh, that's pretty cool. So you, um, you're on the most beautiful campus in the world, I would say. Pepperdine is among the most beautiful. Although I don't know many of the campuses outside of the U.S., but I know in the U.S., Pepperdine is probably amongst the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, you know, our Malibu campus is consistently ranked, you know, as as one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. And it, it truly is. When you drive by, you just um, it's really breathtaking. And then, of course, the graduate school I work in, you know, we there are a total of about five campuses all across Southern California, and they actually have other campuses around the world for different types of um, of programs that they have going on. And so ours is based out of the West Los Angeles campus, and then we also have a campus in Irvine, right there, central to Orange County, mm-hmm. and then in uh, Calabasas um, as well. We used to have one in Encino that just switched over to to Calabasas, um, and then we actually have a campus in Washington D.C. Um, as well. So we have many different opportunities, you know, for our students all around Southern California. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. interesting. I, I live in Irvine, so I see I see the signs everywhere. I've never seen the building. I just know there's signs all across the city that point you somewhere uh, towards the campus. Uh, but, that, but, that, but that's pretty awesome. So enrollment marketing, what's, what is it? Like, why do people need to do it? Most, why, don't people just apply to go to school? Why do you need to do anything else? What what is it? Why why does Pepperdine even need to market? What's the whole point? They're already an elite university. They're up there. People like you, Pepperdine. What do you? What's your job and when it comes to enrollment? Yes, all great questions. And you you lead to a really important point when you say you know don't people just apply? And it really used to be that way. You know, back in the day, it used to be that there was the one college in town 
and everybody went to that school and you didn't really need to compete and spend millions of dollars trying to to market your university um, but we've times have changed you know it's moved to, from uh, location based to non location based you know from place based to technology based mm -hmm. from you know uh, social institutions to business enterprises more than ever before um, and so where we used to have a really clear market position as, as educational institutions, now it's become uh, incredibly competitive. So it's, it's really critical that we have um, really competitive marketing strategies. And I would say it's a little different for undergrad and a graduate adult learner style mm -hmm. education. You know, undergrads, they're really looking at the brand is important, the football team and the experience and the campus in Malibu. But mm -hmm. for what a lot, I spend a lot of my time doing is is marketing to adult learners who are all about the value they're going to get you know for that that program that's going to lead them to a career um and yeah it takes a lot of comp competing and uh doing what we can to to get students to package up what we do to present it in the most compelling and powerful ways in the right times in the right places to the right people yeah, yeah i think we, we we share a lot in common there i'm also in the in the graduate enrollment marketing space um I'd love to hear your thoughts on what does that process look like? What is going on in the student's head? How do you reach them? What, what are the, some of the strategies to actually engage that student? And, and what's the process like? Do you have to hold their hand through the entire journey? Um, or is it more of hands off? What does it look like? Yeah, well, I'll say I'll start with what, it's, what we think is kind of going on in their heads. We'll do, you know, do our best to, to accomplish that. But right now, you know, we're seeing unprecedented challenges all, ar all around uh, higher education and financial concerns are, is one of the biggest mm -hmm. ones. You know, the, of course, the pandemic caused unemployment rates to increase. Um, we got inflation right now, cost of goods going up, things like mm -hmm. gas prices, the consumer confidence line graphs that I checked, I've seen them dipping So that confidence they're having as a correlates to how they're thinking about going back to school. Um, you know, we're getting more requests in my role to approve financial aid and application fee waivers and asks for scholarships than probably ever before. And then in my meetings with our enrollment team, we're hearing about students who are tracking with us and we're, they're going to be in the seat on the first day of class. And now they're withdrawing the application mm. due to those concerns. So those are things that are on their mind, you know, more than ever. And then the other things that are on their mind is they they really, I think schools made a change from reputational value to kind of economic value. Mm -hmm. And you know, and students are wanting to, to know what is the value I will get for this program. Mm -hmm. So they're wanting a less expensive, something that doesn't take long to complete, um, that they can get in and out and get that degree and, and move on. So our tactics have to really incorporate how do we um, adjust that program itself mm -hmm. to meet the needs that the students have. Um, but then how do we um, have competitive strategies, especially in the digital marketing space for higher yeah. ed uh, graduates? I mean, in the past year, everything skyrocketed, right? When digital advertising spend, everything went up because everyone wants to be online now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So so our, we're meeting them where they are. And digital marketing, of course, allows us to have uh, scalable and predictable increases, whereas the traditional methods, you know, radio, TV, um, all those kind of things are becoming less and less prominent as people are spending more time in these other places that, that give us the data we need to really be able to, to scale up and, and increase. But yeah, you got to compete because the, um, 
the costs are rising and there's more competition. So we have really, to get to your question of what are we in doing, you know, um, it's a lot of testing strategy. You know, we have 52 tests per year, one per week across all 17 of our on-ground and hybrid programs um, across many channels between social and, and, uh, and search and display and everything else. So a lot that we're doing. Yeah, what what are some uh, channels that you're seeing are more effective than others these days? Has has, uh, has Facebook dipped on you all, and you, you started moving money also, or what, what does it look like? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Social, especially since some of the recent changes that have have occurred, where they're not able to target in the same way they did before, that's become less prominent of a channel. We're still doing it because I find a correlation between my social spending and the total application numbers and our total web traffic. So I still think there's a lot to it, you know, they say you have to see it seven times before you make a decision. Yeah. So I've used it a little more as a top of mind awareness, but really Google search with those high intent searchers is what we're really, we're getting most of our students from. Mm -hmm. And then of course, search engine optimization is, is key because our main, you know, website and our info sessions and all that drive a lot of the students for us. Let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn. I, I do a lot of LinkedIn. Have you guys done anything in LinkedIn? What, is, what does that look like for you all? Yes, we do. Um, and we find that to be most successful for like our business school. I know they do a lot there because, of course, you have business-minded individuals you can target and see where they are. Uh, we've used it uh, across our programs. We have education and psychology. So like a master's in teaching, we don't see a lot of them on LinkedIn because teachers, like my wife's a teacher. She's never on LinkedIn. She just yeah. knows where to go to get her job and who <laughs> she needs to talk to in the district or whatever. So, but we see like our master's in social entrepreneurship, for example, it's a really niche program. And I can go on LinkedIn and say, I see that you have a bachelor's in that, that you have an interest in it. They'll even have in their profile that they are a quote unquote social entrepreneur. And I can see that they don't have a master's yet. So I'm like, you are our target. And we can send an in-mail, a bulk in-mail or do, actually we'll have our art re outreach and partnership officer go in and send personalized messages to those individuals. And we've found some success in for those kinds of programs or like our doctorates are good too. You have a yeah. master's, but we want to talk about a doctorate and give you scholarships and that kind of thing. Well, one piece you mentioned, which I think not a lot of universities think about, I mean, think about it, but they don't know exactly where to begin is what search engine optimization entails. You know, there's there's obviously the paid search marketing, which you mentioned. But when you talk about search engine optimization, what how do you even approach that strategy? It's so huge. Keywords, content. How do you how do you manage that process? Um, it's a it definitely is a process and you have to be up on the most recent um, things. I mean, Google will tell you if you look it up, it's like something like 120 things they say you should do to optimize your site. So we do have a, a vendor we work with and um, that helps us. But we do a lot of on-site optimization. You know, Google really wants a relevant experience. They want pages that load quickly. And it's not just what Google wants, it's what consumers want. They, if you are waiting more than a second and a half, you know, you're bouncing off and going to the next thing. So yeah. that on-site back-end optimization to get your code right, get it cleaned up is key. So we're always doing that. And then external linking, we're always seeking to get other entities who are pointing our direction and Google loves that. So we're always seeking opportunities. Anytime there's some blog someone does about us that mentions a program, we're like going out, finding those and asking them to link back to us. And then content is, is key as well. We started... We always had like a newsroom, but recently we started a blog just to house house SEO specific content. 
And then um, we're always doing blog ideation, trying to see what are the topics that have high traffic, but do not have a lot of people answering those questions, but that are relevant to our potential students. And I find even stuff that's not relevant, maybe uh, to your students, just the fact that traffic is coming to your site mm -hmm. is something I find that Google really likes. And they'll say, you seem to be an authority, so we'll send you know, people your way. That's interesting. So we talked a lot about the top of the funnel. That's getting people's interest and getting them, uh, as as one of my old bosses used to say, getting them thirsty. It's like you bring you bring the horse to the, to to the river or the pond, but you can't force them to drink, right? It's it's about creating that desire. So the top of the funnel is about creating the desire, but then what happens after that? What how do you get them to actually go through with enrolling into the program and staying through the journey and not dropping off or losing uh, motivation, all of that? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And, and so I have this unique, somewhat unique uh, uh, blessing, I think, to be able to oversee both our marketing and our enrollment and admissions teams. Mm -hmm. and I think that's a huge advantage, really. Um, it's one, I'm one of the only ones, I think I'm the only one across all five Pepperdine schools that has that opportunity. They're mm -hmm. all kind of, they have their marketing team and their admissions team. And so what we're able to do is in real time, give feedback back to how that marketing is doing um, and, and then adjust those strategies. But then what we've employed is, um, is a, our goal, we have a singular focus on growing and strengthening enrollment in the ways those programs need to grow and strengthen. And so we've employed a lot of contact strategies. We got voicemail drops, we got uh, outbound calls. We, we use a, a software that allows us to pre-record voicemails and then call really quickly. So it's on to the next call while it's leaving the voicemail. We have a partner we work with that's a call center. So every new inquiry gets a call within 30 seconds. Uh, we have another partner that does rewarming. So after the 15th uh, day of phone calling from the first partner, this partner picks it up with texting and phone calling because um, we got to break through the clutter and get heard and get seen. And then we have a lot of relationship building. I think that's a key. It can't just be this like uh, this non-relational texting. Yeah. Right. And so we have a lot of that. We do. So our information sessions, we always have alum and, and program directors. Then we do extra second voice calls from program leaders. So our goal is that by the time you get to the first day of class, you are known and that you know that you're cared for and you have people who are already kind of friends with you. You've built affinity. Mm -hmm. You trust them. Um, and, and I find that to be a key, too. You can't just do these non-relational messages that um, they don't resonate with. So we have tons of things like that we do. But then we're trying to also look at the relationship, you know, as much as we can. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I think that alignment that you mentioned is so critical, having the, the marketing and the sales teams aligned, speaking to one another. Otherwise, you pass a lead through, something's not coming through, something's not, something's not happening, the CRM's not working right. So much can happen in a different department and you have no idea what's going on. And I think a lot of universities are like that. There's no, the marketing and sales teams do not speak to one another. Um, and they're in completely different departments, different parts of campus. Um, and it's just emotion. And and that and that's a big part of why enrollment, I believe, is struggling. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it's been really helpful for us. I mean, because then we have a marketing team for any info session or event we're going to try to do. Um, they see themselves as we're all part of the, the same team and we're always testing new methods. So they actually will get involved in a lot of the testing strategy because marketers are good at that. They understand 
trying a thing and testing the data. And we're having to, we're finding that it used to be, you know, everybody just did mail and then it became email, but software is getting good and it's putting emails into spam boxes, you know, so then it became a uh, text message. And now we're really starting to move more toward uh, app based uh, push notification, things that you're on your phone where most of our users are um, and trying to get in front of them in the best ways. So we're always trying to figure out what the, those best ways are, you know, as time goes on. So outside of, you know, the traditional Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, Instagram, what are some other channels have you seen that have been effective at, at student enrollment and student engagement? We are starting to test a lot of new strategies, especially with, you know, the movement toward Instagram reels and TikTok, and um, I think YouTube calls it shorts or something like that. So yeah. we're testing those kind of strategies, just real quick, really um things that appeal to the demographic we have. So that's a key area. So we'll create one piece of content and test it on all three or four of those different platforms. Um, so we're, we're doing that right now. Um, we also, we're, we're, we invested in hiring an outreach and partnerships officer. So the thinking is that by building partnerships with other entities that we will give scholarships to those organizations and other things if they'll send students our way. That's mm -hmm. been helpful. We, for one program, we went out to an accrediting entity for some of our site partners, built a partnership with them. So they're sending students our way um, for that as well. So really outside the box kind of things. And of course, there's a little bit of the outreach. We, we um, do some like college fairs and table visits, but those don't really yield um, what anything close to what they used to, especially mm -hmm. the amount of time and money it takes to do it. Yeah. yeah, so we're trying. It's we're heavy on digital, and and really every opportunity you can find there, we we're either doing it or we've we've tested it. You know, at some point in the past. Yeah, when it comes to TikTok and uh, well, I guess Reels are a different story, but TikTok, have you seen it become an effective lead generating platform? Is it still something you're trying to dabble with and try to understand? We're definitely kind of in the early stages of, of kind of dabbling, like you said. So just mm -hmm. trying it out. We have our first round of tests going right now, but we are finding right after the very first piece of data we gathered that there's definitely not the same level of competition. We're able to get cost per lead is pretty low on that one compared to, say, like a high intent searcher on Google. Like I'll pay $100 for a lead off Google because I know yeah. they're likely to apply. But this we're going to be in the our social channels with all our testing we do is down in the five to $10 per lead range. Mm -hmm. And so it's high volume um, and, and low intent, but it's worth it. We find uh, in the long run to do that. So, so you've drove, you've drove your cost down on TikTok to five and $10. Is that correct? For those types of channels, um, we're still really early on TikTok, but, um, but what we're seeing so far is it's, yeah, it's really low. So it's mm -hmm. something that I would encourage education minded, you know, marketers to explore because you're going to find find your students there. But the content has to fit, you know, the, the platform. So you've got to you can't just take your regular promo video or something you tried to put together and try to just like shove it on the TikTok. You really have to create the kind of content that works mm -hmm. there with a lot of movement. And um, it's got to be fast and catch attention really quickly and those kinds of things. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know this; these are a lot of pieces. Everyone wants to do a lot of these things that you mentioned. How big is your team and what do you need on your team to actually make this happen? Well, we don't have a really large team, really. Um, we have, so we have a total of 3,600 students. 
to put in perspective, when I joined and started consulting back right after we sat a cohort in fall 2019 of about 2,500, the next fall we had 3,000, the next fall we had 3,600. So we're on this really pretty huge growth trajectory, but our staffing is actually pretty small. So we have only two marketing staff. We have a marketing manager who's wonderful, a great, especially a great project manager to keep all these things moving. And she has a content specialist that works with her. And then on our admissions team, we have several processors. We probably have about 15 total staff between processors, enrollment officers, outreach and partnerships, officer, associate director of admissions. But still 15 is it's a pretty small team for the 3,600 students we're, we're trying to enroll. And what we end up doing is I have a little bit more of an operational budget than a compensation budget. So I strategically use that to have partners. So like I have a call center and a rewarming partner. A SEO partner, and we have a good digital agency that that runs our ads. We don't run those, of course, in house. We we um, work with them weekly on what nice. we're doing. So I end up scaling up through operation budget instead of through hiring. Yeah. So your digital agency manages majority of your lead gen efforts. Is that correct? Yes, they do. Anything that's a that's the digital um marketing like an, a paid ad and then we have yeah. another company we work with that focuses only on seo um, and then we're always optimizing our our main program pages and then we're doing things like info sessions and so we have a lot of digital presence we manage on our own um, mm -hmm. we also do a lot of like uh influencer or kind of taking like our our faculty we have a lot of faculty who are really good so we're always um, getting them out there to, to have opportunities to speak and to do things and share the content that's generated and have mm -hmm. those entities they spoke to, of course, share with their people. So we're trying to do some kind of outside the box things in the digital atmosphere beyond just like paying a company to do it for us. But of course, yeah, we do mm -hmm. have them. It's good to have like a Google Premier partner who has access to the most updated you know, information from Google to be optimizing your campaigns, though. Yeah, that's an interesting point you mentioned. So uh, about the influencers, what is uh, what is influ uh, uh, referral strategies look like for you as far as working your existing student body to to increase uh, uh, enrollments through referrals? Do you have a strategy for that? How do you approach that? We we do we um we we have alumni roundtable events which are really helpful, but they're really for prospective students, current students, and alums. To all come together to talk about the program and what they're doing now and what they're learning. So that's been a really great referral strategy because it it gets alumni to come in and in in a live session they'll talk about how amazing the program is to all these prospective students mm -hmm. um, and talk about the things that you can't really put on a website page like the community they found while they were in the program and how life changing yeah. it was. It's hard to capture that. So having them do that. Um, is, is really important. We do have some like alumni scholarships as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Give a Gift of Education where they're able to nominate uh, individuals who can then uh, receive a scholarship from them. So it's a really kind of wonderful way for us to get referrals because they say, this is someone we think would be a right fit you know, for this program who they want to bring along. And then we're always like looking into our alumni base because our alums can be future students mm -hmm. too for other programs. Like we have yeah. doctorates and a lot of them, we've been kind of smart in this. Our program leaders have stacked them. So like certain courses you took will apply to a doctorate if you go into that program. So we're always reaching out to that group, you know, as well. I, I saw recently, and I'm not sure if, if this falls under your belt, uh, a bachelor's completion program. Is that part of, is that what part of your department or is that a different campus? 
we we don't have a bachelor's you know program within our graduate school but we're always looking at um at partner institutions so like our partner uh partnerships officer will go out and try to establish sort of articulation agreements like that where it might be that you can a certain number of courses from your bachelor's will apply to your master's with us or we'll say, you know, can some of our courses fulfill some of your electives and can some of yours fulfill some of ours? So we're, we're getting non-degree seeking students to bulk up our total uh, revenues through those kinds of partnerships, too. So. Interesting. Awesome. My, my final uh, question for you is what are some tips for other higher ed marketers out there? What do you what's your big forecast for the next 20, 2022, 2023? What should they think about? Well, my, my top tips are to, to try to be aware of the many challenges the students are facing and have your ear to the ground and be listening and, and trying to gather that data. Uh, understand those financial concerns, the, the increased competition, the fact that we're on a population decline, you know, and that first year students declined by 3% this past fall. Like you got to know those things and be aware of, of what's going on out there in the world. Um, and then constantly trying new and innovative strategies, thinking outside the box um, and have a, a no stone left unturned approach is what I think everyone has to have to be able to kind of survive and uh, thrive in the um, spaces that we're in. You know, we um, we know that there are always going to be challenges and that this landscape is always going to be changing. But especially at Pepperdine, we're really committed to growing and strengthening enrollment, supporting students, putting mm -hmm. students first, meeting them where they are in relevant and innovative ways. And we found success in those areas in the past. So we think it's important to do that, to be competitive and stay uh, stay competitive for long-term growth. And But I, overall, I believe that there's a bright future ahead for our graduate school and, of course, for uh, higher education as a whole. Yeah. And worst case scenario, I would just take a vacation at your school. I'll pay for the yes. vacation just to go out to Malibu. And, Absolutely. And we'd love to have you. Yes, we'd love to have you there. So I'd love, love to have you come visit. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I was at Pepperdine uh, probably a couple of months ago. I spoke to, the, at the International Studies Department, they invited me to speak to oh, a bunch wonderful. of students. There was, I think there was like 200 students there. It was uh, it was amazing. I mean, the classroom was like right, right. You could see the ocean right from there. It was pretty, oh, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Great. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's a wonderful university, and it's um, and the more you learn about it, the more you find that there's so much underneath. You know, the beautiful campus. There's it's a, a community of, of individuals committed to really helping others and to purpose, service, and leadership. Um, and we have just wonderful leadership. We've got, have a, a president who's just been there a few years now, and a new, somewhat new provost. We have a whole new integrated marketing. Uh, a leader um, who's like have a chief marketing officer for the entire university. So mm -hmm. I really, I believe Pepperdine's a school to watch and to, to be mindful of as, as time goes on. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Look at a lot of insight, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, gems here for other marketers out there to learn from. Uh, we'll, we'll connect soon. Yes. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and happy to do it anytime. Yep. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.